0: Hello. Hey, Frida. How's it going? Good. How are you, Sam? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thanks for taking time out of your day. It sounds like it's been quite a busy schedule. I never know what it's going to be. It just happened to be. So happy to. Thank you very much. So I guess we'll uh, start from the beginning. Tell us how your career began in, in gaming in general. How did it all start? I've had this talk multiple times uh, over my career as far as telling the origin story and when I've done it in a group or on a panel or something I feel like I'm the weird one because most people start off talking about how yeah I play video games but I just I never thought I could actually have a job doing it you know and I was like what where do you think it comes from the North Pole somebody is responsible for every aspect of the game whether the assets to art or sound and I always knew that and I don't know if it's because I went to performing arts high school so I have this very clear idea of that it takes a small army to get anything done. Everything is, you know, made on, on working parts and stuff. So I was like, well, there's gotta be, there's, this has to come from somewhere and these people start from somewhere. So I know it's not impossible and I know it's not necessarily a one man job either. So I was, let's see, Oh, 16, 17, a long time ago and I was playing a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of video games and, My parents were really funny. They should have been my my grandparents. They're a full generation older than me. My dad just turned 88. And they wouldn't let me have any game consoles, but a PC was okay. So I became a a PC gamer, you know, just out of survival. I could only play consoles on (laughs) other people's houses, but, um, you know, PC was free reign. So my first addictions were EverQuest and Warcraft 2, which then became Warcraft 2 Battle.net and Diablo 1 and all that stuff. And when I started going to university, I only made it a year and a half and I was doing political science because I thought I wanted to be a political campaign manager, which is, if you knew me, that's really hilarious because I have, you know, facial piercings and purple hair and mohawk and I oh, go to right. couple <laughs> conventions and all that stuff and I wanted to be a politician's representative and manage their campaign, which I thought I'd be very good at. But what I, you know, ultimately wanted to do was work with people and um, be creative at the core, right? And you can do that in a number of professions. And I was playing video games so much, and the nerd crew was always my crew. You know, my friends were all role-playing geeks and dorks who introduced me to all that stuff. I just thought, you know, I thought maybe I can better represent that group than they can represent themselves. That, you know, like I shower and wash my hair and all that stuff, and (laughs) I can do public speaking. So, in a matter of originally planning to go abroad and do communications and political science and all this stuff just thought, eh, I think I'd be kind of interested. And it was just a lucky circumstance like with a lot of people. So um, I was very much into EverQuest, and all my friends played EverQuest. And EverQuest was still kind of in its infancy. This is uh, 2000. I think it released in 99. And uh, they had their first fanfare, which is their first convention in Las Vegas. I'm born and raised from Las Vegas, and I was living there at the time. And they were going to have their very first con there. And it wasn't organized the most efficient way, they registered about, I think, 800 to 1,000 people. It was supposed to be a two-night event starting Friday, going to Saturday. And the Friday night event was a first-come, 1st serve registration, kind of like a a schmoozy-poo that could only seat about 250 people. So you've got all these people who paid airfare and hotel and, you know, know, put their kids and dogs in kennels or whatever. They've come all this way to hang out with their guildmates, and they've got nothing to do on Friday night. And uh, I thought that was not a good thing and I can't help myself but get involved so I just jumped on the forums and I was like hey I'm a local Gameworks which I guess is no longer there was a huge arcade it's an arcade franchise it was right across the street from where that Friday night thing was going to be so I kind of galvanized and spammed and said just go across the street to Gameworks I will make it my business to tell everyone at this party because I happen to make it in um, that as soon as we're done here we're going to go across the street um in the meantime you know have a drink have dinner hang out be really vocal about i'm with everquest blah 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 and i'll bring people over and if i can find sony employees i'll bring them over too and apparently it worked um and i was running around the party (sighs) i was 18 i was 18 and like a typical 18 year old i thought i could move mountains so there i was trying to move people and um i was really annoying and told everyone to go across the street until i ran into sony employees and they're like hey are you the The girl from the message boards, and I said, yeah, that's me. And they said, cool, do you want a job? I said, huh? I said, yeah, you want a job? And I said, all right. So within a three-month span of me deciding, you know, maybe I'd like to get involved in video games, I got a job in video games. I started at the bottom like most people who don't quite know their place yet. So I was in customer service for EverQuest, so a game master, for two and a half years. And then I was a VP's assistant for a year, which basically meant I made a lot of phone calls and faxes and travel expenses for adult men. You know, the only negative review I got from my boss was that I just wasn't really being fully used, and I could agree with that. But I I wanted to hang out, and I just couldn't find my place. I originally thought that I wanted to get into PR and marketing for video games, and uh, I was very lucky in that Sony let me intern for about six months in their PR marketing department. And I very quickly realized that a lot of people in that department either didn't play video games at all or didn't play the games that we were making. And so I thought, well, I don't have a lot in common with these people. Uh, so that that fantasy ended very quickly. It was it was very disheartening, but I, I knew that just wasn't going to be my place. And And video games are one of those things where maybe it's easier because it's an older industry. When people say, I love movies, I love the movies, and then they go to there and then they become PAs or whatever they need to be to kind of figure it out. I think they might have an easier time of figuring out what it is, um, what position they fill, you know, talking about an army that gets a production done. So maybe they quickly figure out, I want to be a cinematographer or director or producer, da, 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 da. Video games, we're still making it up. And it's not really, it's not really that well defined because depending also on the size of your company, that defines how many hats you wear, you know? So if you, you started a larger company, like I started a publisher like Sony, everything is a lot more compartmentalized because they have a bigger budget for more heads. Whereas if you start maybe in a garage situation, you get to be, just like in the 90s, the programmers were the sound designers, were the game designers, were sometimes the artists, and there's no uh, one-size-fits-all. So I think I had a harder time figuring out where I fit because those roles aren't clear-cut anywhere. So it took me a little bit longer. So I would get frustrated because I saw my friends moving out of tech support and customer service into game design, within a year or two, and it was obviously a good fit for them, and it was not a fit for me. I have no interest or ability in, in programming. I'm definitely not an artist. I can't draw a shark. I, I just was really confounded, but, you know, I'm still like that kid, uh, like Quentin Tarantino or Robert Rodriguez or any of those guys who goes off about, I love movies, and it's it's not enough to try to absorb it into your body. You actually have to do something yeah. that contributes. So it wasn't until EverQuest 2 came about And for the first time, Sony Online had an audio department, and they staffed up. A bunch of people came over from a now-defunct company from Boulder, Colorado. They came to San Diego, and they had so many lines of VO. It was the most auspicious, huge production to date, to that date of VO. It was over 100,000 lines of dialogue, and it broke everyone in Los Angeles, and there's still a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder with multiple casting directors and actors and studios if you ask around there's still like waves of trauma from trying to get all that vo done because nobody had done it before to that quantity and so as a result they opened up a position for someone to implement all that vo and i was like me 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 me." and the reason that came up was before i thought i want to be a political campaign manager i had always been a singer as i mentioned i went to performing arts high school so i was very much into theater stuff i was a total theater dork And audio was something that made sense to me and I'm very comfortable with. And when I was in high school, I thought, I thought it'd be really cool to be a sound engineer and just like, I thought you just record bands all day. How cool is that? Yeah, I recorded corn, whatever. And pre-internet, pre-internet, the internet we have now, not late 90s internet. Now you have uh, no excuse not to research schools, programs, forums where people talk about their experiences at these schools, uh, figuring out the ramifications of loans and all that stuff. There are resources Back in my day, the most you got was going to, like, your high school counselor and reading catalogs or waiting to get spammed in the mail by, um, you know, colleges that thought you would, that you would be able to pay the bills, yeah. um, which really wasn't very helpful compared to now. And also, you know, you've got my generation that's been through it, so the millennials that are coming up actually have people to talk to. So the only recording engineering program that I found was, I think, like, SUNY, so uh, a New York school. And they required upper-level credits of math and chemistry. And unlike my understanding of British schools is that, like, if you go to school for maths, you take maths courses. And if you choose to, you're certainly welcome to take English literature or biology, but you're not obligated to to get the degree, right? No, that's right, yeah. Right, no, not in the States. Because in the States, college is a business. It's not an education. And so you're forced to take, quote, general education classes or class requirements To get a degree in something that has nothing to do with what you're required to take. It's just to make money. Yeah, no, in order to get a recording engineer, degree, I needed to two upper levels of math and chemistry. And I thought, I am fucked. No, so I just, I gave up on that idea completely. And it was totally bizarre to me that through wanting to be basically a video game groupie, I got the roundabout opportunity to get back in there. So um, I implemented VO, I think for like a year and a half maybe almost two years until the game shipped. But after the game shipped, things slowed down and I got really nervous because I had nothing to do when I was kind of twiddling my thumbs and thought, oh, crap. And in order for me to do what I was doing, because sometimes I would be responsible for cleaning up files that, for whatever reason, you know, got missed, excuse me, or needed to be edited, I had a copy of SoundForge. And uh, so I got ballsy and I said, hey, I I think I want to do this. And they're like, "What do what? I understand better now, but at the time... I guess because I was watching all these sound designers kind of do everything. I got asked at first when I when I showed interest in branching out and trying sound design, they were like, well, what what do you want to do? VO or sound design? And I said, I don't I don't understand the question. Because I was fully aware that, you know, when you go to some studios that have one or two sound people, they are all responsible for the sound design and the implementation and the VO management and the VO production and the VO scheduling and all of it. They don't get to choose, it just has to get done. So, you know, again, being at a bigger place where there's room to be compartmentalized and specialized, I didn't understand the question of, what do you mean you're forcing me to choose something? And they already had a VO producer. So, and like I said, VO had slowed down. So I thought, well, is that sound design? And there was one guy, Mike Smith, who I always credit as my mentor. He gave me a shot. I'm very lucky in that I didn't have to go to school. I'm lucky, and it's also an Achilles heel in a lot of ways. But he just sort of started me off with simple stuff like, doors and footsteps and chests, and uh just said yeah if you think uh you can handle it go ahead and he was very patient with me but basically gave me the opportunity to prove that i could actually make sound and i did it really can change make or break a career with one person gives you a chance yeah it only takes one person so and i'm a huge believer in, in paying it forward i don't think there is pretty much no benefit universally if you're Working with someone who's difficult or someone who's struggling, if you make it worse for them, you're actually making it worse for you. Because at the end of the day, the industry is so small. I always say, I never say goodbye to people. I just say, you know, I'll see you later because we're going to work again at some point, somewhere. I don't know on what, but we will. So, you know, if you burn your bridges, burn it well. And uh, if you have an opportunity to help improve someone else's experience or education or whatever, it actually comes back to you both ways. And then, you know, vice versa if it's negative. So, yeah, I was lucky that somebody took a shot on me. And and it, it is true because now that I'm full-time VO, I've auditioned for Friends Projects for people that I've worked with previously. I've been brought on by, <laughs> I've been directed by people that I directed for games. <laughs> it's really bizarre. Nice. But it's it's cool to keep the, those relationships because we can't, we just can't get away from each other. Yeah. The industry is too small. So that's pretty much how I got started. It was a, a little bit, more um eclectic and and random and also lengthy of a start than some people i mean i that's why i bring up the school i think it's really great that now if you decide young i want to be a game designer i want to be a game programmer i don't want to go do game audio there are schools with very specific specialized programs and you can go away and then come out with already some sort of experience because a lot of those have final exams of actually making a game and actually implementing assets and that's great you don't have to learn on the job and make mistakes while getting paid for it and then be embarrassed professionally so i think that's amazing it, it's about saving your your ego and your psyche your the, the your general mental health and your frustration because here's the thing you can i mean if you're tenacious enough and you have a thick enough skin you can certainly lock yourself away And by yourself, do all the Googling and the research and read all the manuals and watch all the YouTube tutorials because those resources are out there, and that's wonderful. But also, at the end of the day, you have to work with people. Unless, again, if you make a game all by yourself, hats off. If you want to work with a creative team, on on a psychological level, it's extremely beneficial to get experience working with people. And then also, here's the other horrible thing with video games. We reinvent the wheel every single time. Nobody, you know, either studios insist on having proprietary tech, so everybody learns a new engine altogether that doesn't exist anywhere else in nature, or you buy a license for an engine, but it has to do something specific for the game you're building, so again, something new gets built, so you all learn it together. For me, I, I personally learn much better by doing than by watching, I'm just one of those brains. Yeah, I always benefit more f- trial and error. Just The problem with that is you have to deal with the public embarrassment. But if you have the hunger to pursue it privately, God bless you. And you have people to talk to. There's so many wise and unity and FMod support groups. Well, it really does pay itself forward. I mean, you know. So I've been I've been in games about 12 years now, and I'm still. Uh, yesterday, I was directed by a casting slash booth director who is f- friends with all of the first sound people that I work with because they're all together in Austin. And I didn't know. Actually, he he knows three of my bosses who I've worked with over <laughs> a 10 year span. Wow. And we only knew each other because I got an audition that he sent to my agency. We didn't know each other. I just that's how stupid small it is. Like I say, you can try and lock yourself up, but at the end of the day, you're we're all around each other. So it kind of I I think it definitely benefits you, you know, you and me and everyone we know to actually just at least talk. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's the main objective, really, isn't it? I mean, people call it networking. It's not always solidly just that, but getting out and meeting people and talking to people is a great part of the process to be honest yeah so well, something that really cracks me up that i i uh i notice a lot is people especially when they're earlier in their career either if they're early in their career or they've been at one place for a really long time one of the few people that have been at an at established place that can actually you know handle retention and stuff here's the thing no company is loyal to its employees because at the end of the day, everyone's a headcount and either they can afford you or they can't. And no one is irreplaceable. Everyone is disposable, especially when there's no money. And so I've, I've witnessed so many times, it's really interesting where, where people will be very prideful. It's almost like we're the NFL and we're all just football players, for example, or, you know, or soccer players, if you will. But everyone also has a price and also everyone has, a, you know, an expiration date. And you can be very pro the team that you're on right now, but I guarantee you it's temporary, either through hiring, firing, or death, you will move on. You know, forcibly or not. So I've I've seen so many I've seen I've had to deal with people who like wouldn't shake my hand because we happened to be competitors at the time and then they got laid off (laughs) later. And it's like, Well, you that was unnecessary. Stuff like that. So I you know, I think I've just seen too many kind of dickish moves like that that I just yeah it's not worth it yeah, it's just there's <laughs> it's, just no need for it is there it's just completely unnecessary nah 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 so, we're all playing with the same ball yeah exactly and you've got to help each other out and like you say it all comes around so small small yep. world you'll always end up on the other side of someone that you uh, flip side that you previously didn't shake the hand of yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs>